If you have ever had the privilege of walking through the Sistine Chapel and looked up the 68 feet to see Michelangelo's masterpiece, then you have been in awe. Or simply laid in the grass, away from the city lights on a clear night, and looked up to the millions of miles of our universe. Then you have been in awe. Well, today we'd like to welcome Jay and Sophia Lyons uh, to In Awe by Bruce. Sophia and her husband Jay are the filmmakers behind the documentary on Kara Tippett's powerful story, The Long Goodbye, which comes out March 22nd on DVD and digital platforms. The story, which we'll discuss further, chronicles a brave young wife, mother, and friend as she demonstrates how to live and die with love and dignity and a recognition that God is there in all aspects of our lives. Before we begin, though, I wanted to add that both Sophia and Jay have a long list of work in the Christian arts arena, from writing, recording, doing songs and touring, to working on music productions in TV and film. That's led them to focus on creating uplifting and faith-based productions like The Long Goodbye. And Jay and I were just talking a minute ago how he even has a reality film background. So that even puts it closer to home for him as they bring out this documentary. So I'd like to say welcome to both of you, Jay and Sophia. Thank you for being on with us today. Bruce, thank you so much for having us. Hello. From Hello. California. <laughs> That's right. They're in California. I'm in freezing Columbus, Ohio. So <laughs> we're going to bring that up, but you did. So yeah, I know. Rub it in. So I wanted to start off with, you know, just some general questions before we go into any specifics. And the first one that, you know, I like to get people's views on because I think it's so important to what this whole podcast is about. What is it that keeps you in awe of God? Wow. Wow. That's a heavy question, Bruce. That's a hard question. First one. (laughs) (laughs) Off the bat. I know that uh, after 20-some-year relationship with God, what keeps me in awe is that the older I get, the less I think I know about him. And it seems like it would be the opposite to where, oh, I'm a seasoned Christian. I've read the Bible. I've been through some hard times and some great times. And I, I feel like just when I think I'm... I know who God is. He throws me for a loop. And then I think, what? Who are you? Me, I would say my wife makes fun of me for this, but I I truly connect to God through nature. So being in the mountains keeps me in awe of God or being at the beach or um, even flying in a plane. You know, I just look down at the whole earth or, or just like seeing, seeing a strawberry or, or a lemon that's growing in my backyard, which is totally random. And my wife just made a face that like I'm crazy. But we don't have strawberries. We do have lemons. We do have lemons. But <laughs> I just look at this tree and I watch the little flower buds grow from little things into lemons. And I think, how did that happen? And it, and it just keeps me in awe of God that mm. there's a creator who a divine creator who gives us our breath. And that just, that keeps me in awe of him. So let me go back to Sophia here for a minute then on that. Sophia, was there an incident in your life ever that kicked off something that just made you go, oh, wow. You talked about finding that you don't know God maybe as well as you thought you did, or or it just keeps growing. It just gets that much deeper. And that's, you know, that's kind of the way God is. I think somebody described the book of John that way. They said, it's shallow enough for a baby to, to wade in, deep enough for an elephant to drown. 
It, was yeah. there anything that kicked off in your life that inspired you? And then I'll ask Jay that same thing. That inspired me. Hmm. Yeah. That drove you to to want to do the kind of things that you're doing for the, the Christian world? That is a really great question. It takes me back to my childhood. I mm-hmm. became a Christian in high school. And before that, I was raised in a crazy Italian family in New York City. Okay. And I saw a lot of chaos in my childhood. It, it wasn't a terrible childhood, but it was a chaotic childhood is the best way to describe it. And I saw a lot of things. I'm actually, I actually started writing a book because, uh, you know, everybody, when you meet new people and you talk about your past and most people share and you're like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. When I share about my story, <laughs> uh, it includes like porn stars, the mafia. I thought that was normal childhood abuse. And, uh, but, but it also included amazing Italian family, giant dinners with a great, wonderful, loving family. And so I think for me, there isn't one thing. It's like kind of a laundry list of things that led me to just share authentically. And for a long time, I was embarrassed of my childhood and my story because I felt like that didn't fit in the box of a Christian woman. That didn't Mm. fit in the box of a minister. You know, how could I share about wanting to minister to people when I have those type of things that are, you know, in my background or my family. But the older I get, I realize that makes my testimony even stronger Mm. to where I've seen a lot of crazy things. But what really keeps me in awe of God is how big he is and how he can handle all of our sin. He can handle all of our stories. He can handle our insecurities. He can handle all of it. And um, he loves us even still, despite all of our bad decisions. Or I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think I'm in awe of how he still loves us no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so true. I mean, his his love, his grace and everything is just so far beyond what I can even grasp. Uh, you know, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And you look and you go, gosh, some of these things in my past, everything you can be embarrassing or whatever. And then you realize, but God loves me personally, deeply in spite of all that. Absolutely. So sure. Jay, anything for you that, that kicked off or, or really that you look back and go, geez, this is what really just kicked in for me that, that I looked at God and I go, wow, this is, this is going to motivate me to continue along the path I'm on. Well, I think recently I, I had a change of heart or just a change of direction with my career. I've been a producer for 20 plus years and I've done a lot of music and our journey was in the contemporary Christian world. And then we got some theme songs for uh, national television shows on, on major networks. And so we kind of segued into the TV world of doing music for TV mm. and then I producing TV. And okay. so um, I've worked on a lot of uh, television shows and that's what I do now for the past decade. And then lately I, and I say lately, meaning like in the past two, three, four years, I, I started feeling just a stirring to use my talents and skills in a in a more direct Christian way. I mean, I've I've been a Christian through that whole process, but you know, I'm working for networks like MTV and TLC and CBS and did a music documentary on Spotify and and um just all the the major networks, but honestly, they I met a lot of great people and and worked with, on a lot of really fun shows, but I just felt like I wanted to do something that had eternal impact. Um, in a more specific way. And 
And I worked with a lot of Christians, actually, in um, reality television, especially some of the people who were my subjects that I filmed and produced with. There's a lot of Christians, you know, just kind of out in the world featured on TV, not necessarily in the behind the scenes production side of it. Um, I felt a lot of times alone um, in my faith in that aspect. But but anyways, I, I just felt like it was time. It, it was God was calling me back to do something that was more directly impactful for the kingdom that had eternal mm. impact. And so that's what kind of led this led us down this journey on working on this particular movie. That's great because, you know, I know that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing here. want to make sure that I'm continuing to to do something with my life, hopefully, that that is a plus to other people around me and, and that, you know, expresses what God's trying to do in the world and, and show his love and grace. It sounds like the, this is a great change that's happening. What have you seen in terms of other people being motivated by the different things that you two do? Because, you know, I... I look at the list of all the things that you both have done and it's, it's truly impressive. And just thank you for everything you've done for people. But what have you seen as far as that effect on others? It's, it has to have shown some great motivation in different people's lives. I would think. It has. And that's super rewarding to see that because I've worked on a lot of projects and some of them, you know, they don't really see the light of day. And then some, you know, sometimes I'm at the Grammys filming, you know, Tamala Mann, who is a gospel singer uh, with Chance the Rapper, and they're singing How Great Is Our God on the Grammys. That was like two years ago with Kirk Franklin. And, you know, I was there producing and shooting that, and that aired on a TV show. And and I know millions of people watched that and were inspired and encouraged by that. And then mm -hmm. I also did the thing with the basketball player who is called The Professor. He's a streetball player, and um, he's a Christian guy, but um, he has a big YouTube following. But, you know, his YouTube channel is not Christian at all. And I took him into prison and had him play basketball with the prisoners. And he hung out with them and talked about their faith and shared his Christianity with them. And, and then we put that on YouTube on his channel, and it has 27 million views. And it opened up a huge conversation in the comments about mm -hmm. – forgiveness and grace and Christianity. And I mean, there was a war going on in these comments. It was really crazy. But yeah, it, so things like that, you know, just make you realize, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's rewarding to do that and know that you're in your sweet spot. And when you see that uh, having a positive effect and using media, like what you're doing, you know, using the, the media to point people towards Christ and not everything I do is super successful. I don't want to give the the audience that impression, but it's very rewarding when you do that and, and see it has a great impact on people and, and you, you see that. Right. I think that's kind of the goal. The, you know, success is all, it's different in the Christian world. It's what, what we're really trying to do versus, you know, maybe what the world looks at as being successful. And I, I I'm just thinking back to what a comment Steve Cleary said about Pilgrim's Progress is he's making that movie. He said, you can either make it for profit or you can make it for mission. And his goal is strictly to make it for mission. God will take care of the rest because he wants to put it into a hundred languages, you know, around the world. And that just, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you're doing these things and some will reach out to more people than others, but you're, you're making an effect by that. Well, Bruce, let me just brag about my husband for one second. Sure. It's hard to toot your own horn. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I will say that this film has been God breathes from day one and it is mm. it is the outcome of a simple act of obedience 
we really believe that God spoke to my husband and just kind of, for some reason, wanted this story shared. And we felt a call from God to go to Colorado Springs. And, you know, I remember this was four and a half years ago that people were like, what are you going to Colorado Springs for? And we really didn't even know the answer, but we knew that God asked us to do this. And so my husband was like, I can't get this Kara Tippett's lady out of my head. Her story is, you know, she's amazing. Let's do something good for her. And so this film actually was birthed out of us wanting to be a blessing to the Tippett's family in some Mm -hmm. way. And in the way that we knew that we could help and my husband could help was through the power of video. And honestly, in the beginning, he was going there just because he thought he would just do maybe a, a time capsule video for the family to keep or for for um, Jason to show at his church. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so that was the initial beginning of our, our relationship with Kara <clears throat> was honestly to just gift her a video for her family and church. That's how it all began. I love the word you use, God breathed. <laughs> yeah, it is God breathed. And, you know, we actually had a, some people in the industry tell us we were crazy for taking on a project like this because documentaries, quote, aren't commercial and they don't make you money. And that, you know, they kind of told us we were foolish for taking on a documentary. But explain to somebody, uh, I was leading a women's small group at the time and they were instrumental in just kind of to listen to the prompting. Yeah. At that point, you know, one of my friends, I remember Aurora saying, sometimes God just wants you to be obedient. And maybe it's nothing more to do with just you reaching out to this lady. Maybe it's just going there and you don't really know why, but maybe that's it. Maybe it was just to reach out to her. And so sometimes you don't know why God is asking you to do something, but I like to explain this movie as like God gave us a path of little tiny breadcrumbs mm-hmm. here's one breadcrumb is to call this lady named Kara. okay god well that's kind of weird because she's she has cancer i don't want to bother her that's weird for us to call her isn't it the first breadcrumb and the second breadcrumb we did an hour-long skype interview with jason and Kara tippets and just fell in love with them as people the third breadcrumb was hey i think we should go there to do something for the family The fourth breadcrumb was going there and doing a short little video. The fifth was, let's go back. We love this family. The sixth was, hey, let's follow them in San Diego and do more with them. You know, so it's just sort of a series of small little acts that we feel were really asked of us from God. And so it was a studio creation where we some executives sat around in a room and said, let's make a documentary or a movie about someone who is struggling with suffering and, and dying. It, it wasn't that kind of thing, you know, to where, okay, now let's go find a character. That's the way typical types of movies happen. You know, they, they right. kind of birthed in the boardroom or whatever, but it wasn't like that at all. It was, it's God picked us up out of our life and dropped us in the middle of Kara and Jason's life. And, um, it grew into this this beautiful thing, and and it's it is a, a tragic, sad story, and there's no way around it. Um, mm-hmm. It's about and dying. But Kara was joyful, and she accepted her story with grace and dignity, and and she said, "I want to I want to help others know how to die well." Mm-hmm. And even for somebody to say that is like, what what kind of person allows people into that? holy sacred 
space. And, and Kara was not a, she wasn't a look at me kind of ego driven person who was like, I want the camera on me. It, she wasn't like that at all, but she was uh, somebody who opened her life and opened her heart to help others who were suffering. And she knew that she had that ability because of what she was going through. It gave her such a, credibi a credibility. You just don't have, you know, you, you can't really speak about suffering or dying or talk about something unless you're going through it, you know, like, like she was. Right. Let me ask you, as you followed her and watched all this, you talked about falling in love with her. What were some of the things that just really amazed you or shocked you or, or gave you deeper insight and, and a deeper love for her and her family and God during this whole process? Well, I'll start off. One thing is that Kara was very funny. She was very disarming. So she was just a, a really cool person. Like she was, yeah, she was funny. Uh, she loved everyone around her. Like whoever was there in front of her, she loved them. She loved us as people. She accepted us as filmmakers. You know, I think people could view us as slick Hollywood people or whatever. Cause you know, she lived in Colorado Springs, but Kara just saw us as Christians who were coming to use our gifts and talents to tell her story. And she accepted us and loved us unconditionally. So she, she was a lot of things, but those are two things that stood out to me. She was really funny. She's making jokes. There's a lot of jokes in the movie, mm -hmm. which is weird when you talk about a woman who is suffering and dying, but she's cracking jokes. Right. One thing um, that stayed with me was her heart. I asked her a lot of questions about healing and, and God questions because, you know, for me, my first response is, well, why, God? And how could this be a good story? Kara talked about her story being good. And I, I really struggled with that, honestly. And I asked her, you know, what she prayed for. And she said, you know, my prayers of healing are different than they used to be because I know I'm dying. Mm -hmm. And so now my prayers of healing are spiritual in nature. And, and one thing that she said that really stuck with me was I pray that God continues to give me a soft heart. Wow. You know, it's one thing just to be in a women's small group or just talking to your friend about, you know, how are you doing, friend, spiritually, when you don't have terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. But when you are dying and have stage four metastatic cancer that's spread through your entire body, even her brain, and she was in a lot of pain, when you're at that stage and you have four little kids yeah. and a life you love that and you don't want to leave, for her to say, I pray for a soft heart, blew me out of the water. I've grown so much spiritually by, by her example. Words are one thing, but watching somebody in action that's actually processed this and knew she was dying and was preparing for eternity, it, it really... You'd have to be a stone for this not to impact you, watching her invite you into mm -hmm. her suffering. And not in a morbid way. She's not inviting us to look at her to feel sorry for her at all. Yeah. She's inviting us to say, my story is still good, even though it's not the story I would have chosen. This is the story God has given me, and how do I steward this story well? How do I keep a soft heart? And so your kindness matters is something she said a lot. Mm. And how are you kind? Well, you're kind to your children and your words. You're kind by giving them your time and by listening to them. And she could hardly do anything toward the end of her life, but she listened. She'd brush her little girl's hair. She would cuddle and let them hug her. There was just wow. such a 
invitation that she invited you to suffer alongside her. Right. Everything she did seemed to just glow of what God was like to her in her life. Can you tell me a little bit more how you were seeing that relationship between her and and Jesus maybe grow or expand or understanding? I think that her understanding and her relationship with God was genuine because she was faced with her own mortality every day. So we're we're all dying, but she said, I'm told that I'm dying every day. Mm-hmm. She was faced with it every day. So when I watched her and heard her talk about her faith, there's the credibility. I know I mentioned it before, but the credibility was just off the charts. I mean, yeah. the, when you hear her say, so she was talking about uh, reading how to live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm. And she was talking about that and saying, you know, I was wrestling with God and praying and, and just to hear a dying person talk about that, like to live as Christ and to die as gain. And what does that really mean to someone who given a month or two to live? Right. It, it's just her her relationship. Basically, what she there's so many things that she said, Bruce, that I could just quote her all day long. Thing she said is, I and and the emphasis is on the word let, which blew me away. But she said, I let God love me enough to where that love spills onto another. And I thought about that, like, what does that mean to let God love us? You know, we all hear, oh, God loves us, but a lot of times we won't let God love us because we won't accept his love or accept it, the fullness of his love and the fullness of his forgiveness. But when we do that, and that's what Kara said, I let Jesus love me enough mm. so that so much that that love spills out of me onto others. So she talked about loving others. That was super powerful. You know, as you're speaking about that and the effect, I, I can't help but think from different things that, that you've written that I've seen a lot of it kind of started as far as her getting to be known with the letter that she wrote to, to Brittany Maynard, right. Who was going to go to Oregon for assisted suicide because of a cancer she had. Correct. Correct. And so how did that maybe take us through a little bit of what happened there and then how that spilled over into affecting the people closest to her and her community around her, as well as those around the world. Kara wrote an open letter to Brittany Maynard, and that kind of catapulted her into a national discussion about dying. And the intent of Kara's letter was really one dying woman to another, just Mm -hmm. really reaching out to her with compassion and love. There was no malice or ill will on the part of Kara toward Brittany. Uh, And I think they actually had conversations that were private, that weren't recorded publicly, that were positive. Mm -hmm. Kara had already started uh, influencing a lot of people through her blog, Mundane Faithfulness, that was growing rapidly, even before this open letter to Brittany. But what what that open letter did was just sort of put gasoline on an already, what's the word, babe? I'm I'm at a loss here. A growing fire. And also, Ann Voskamp, who um, is a writer, shared Kara's letter on her blog. And I think they... Kara's take on that was she felt a kinship with Brittany. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times the the media will portray it as it was Brittany versus Kara or Kara versus Brittany, but it wasn't that way behind the scenes at all. You know, a lot of bits and pieces can get pulled out from the letter, but if you read the letter, it's extremely loving. And Brittany's mom wrote Kara back 
after Brittany had passed away. And Kara kept that private, but it was a positive letter, you know, that, that, but yeah, that, that's kind of what put her on the map a little bit. And then also she was working on a book when we were with her and then her book came out and um, through that whole experience, I mean, when I knew her, she was just a regular mommy blogger, you know, and then her book came out and then that blew up and she won book of the year. Her book is called The Hardest Piece, uh, mm. P-A-C-E. It's a double entendre being the hardest piece of life and the hardest piece to find, you know, the peace in your heart is dying. And it was all about her story. It's an extremely powerful book, very well written. And it, like I said, it won book of the year. So that was part of her journey. And then also the the trailer for this documentary that we did, I'm happy to say that it got her a lot more um, notoriety and just spread her message. The Washington Post shared it, you know, and I think within a week of show, sh- uh, sharing the trailer, Kara, um, it, it received 325,000 views on YouTube just in the first week. And like I said, uh, easily 100 plus publications online shared it. So that helped, too. As you're looking at this and getting ready to release it, you know, what do you see as people learning most from the documentary? Well, that's a great question. I, I like this question. I want to go. Can I okay. go first? Yes. <laughs> okay. For me, uh, as people watch this, I know that they see a lady who's young, who's a mom, who has cancer. <sighs> but that's not really what the film's core theme is about. I want them to take away the fact that time is precious. We're not guaranteed to live to be an old woman or an old man. Mm-hmm. We're not guaranteed a long life. We were taught that some somewhere, but that's not really the truth. And so what are we going to do with the preciousness of time? Time is a gift. And I know that sounds cliche, like, oh, these are the moments of your life. Make sure they're special. But, but really... Each moment is a gift. And what are we going to do with those moments? And so for Kara Tippett, she knew she had a limited amount of time. And she poured her energy into her blog, into her family, into her community. Hmm. And so what are we going to do with our time? And and also, what do we want our legacy to be? She knew she wanted her legacy to be of love. And so that opens up so many conversations. But also, I want people to take away from this film is the sense of community that she created. She opened her home. She allowed people in to see her mess. That's a vulnerable thing for a lot of people to do. They're unwilling for people to even see their house messy, let alone ask, tell people I actually need your help taking care of my kids. That's kind of a difficult thing for a lot of women to do. I was actually looking at some of the footage and I saw, you know, stacked in the room or something like in the back, like some books or toys. And I remember Kara, what was she saying? Like Kara was like, oh gosh, my house is a wreck. And we were like, don't worry, it's fine. But you know, of course we, we notice this when we're wanting to, she was a homemaker and a pastor's wife and she wanted to keep her home open. And, and so I hope that people take from this, the sense of community that she was very intentional on creating. And even before she had cancer, but even while she had cancer, I think that's what makes it so remarkable. And mm-hmm. so kind of like, what is our excuse? We, yeah. We're not dying. We don't have cancer. We're not in, most of us don't have a you terminal, know, illness. terminal illness that keeps our entire body in pain every day. 
So what's our excuse for not being hospitable? What's our excuse mm -hmm. for not living in community? And what's our excuse for not doing the things we know are important? If we thought we only had three months to live, what would we actually be doing? What are those mm -hmm. important things? You hear that all the time, but when you see Kara living it out, it's just extremely powerful. I think Sophia hit it on the head. Like Kara was, I want people to have a sense of the film about embracing the story that God has given you. You hear so much in our world about change, you know, like change yourself, be better, change yourself, be better. And I'm all for that. You know, I'm all for improving and learning and growing and change. It's not bad, but a lot of times there are certain things in our life that we maybe can't can't change, you know, whether it's um, a disability or the fact that one of our parents is sick and dying, or maybe it's a, a child with a special need or a broken relationship. And some things, you know, are just going to be the way that they are. And I think Kara taught me to accept the story that I have with its mm. broken pieces and give that back to God and say, I'm going to serve you and be faithful no matter what, because if we sit around and wait for the perfect life, we'll, we'll never do anything. And mm -hmm. it's, we especially won't be effective for God and the kingdom if we sit around and wait for the perfect life and the perfect story to do that. So mm -hmm. that's what I hope the film shares to people and helps them realize. So, yeah, I see this film. Is there a way that the documentary can also be used to help others or to bring others into? What would you say to them? What what are the different possibilities here? That's a great question. And, you know, that's part of why we wanted to tell Kara's story is because this movie is an evergreen movie, meaning for the next 10 to 20 years, it is a tool and a resource to help people who are dealing with suffering or dying, who have, who have maybe walked down that road with somebody. So it's perfect for a, a grief support group or for anyone who has had been touched by a, a terminal illness. And that's that's so many people, Bruce. It's it's mm. hard to realize how many people that is. There's yeah. also a lot of people who have reached out to us, and the stories are rolling in, and the film has not even released yet. Just based on the trailer that's been on YouTube um, and on Facebook, letting us know, thank you, thank you for showing this, because I had a mom that died, and, and she never talked to me about any of this, so I just was left to wonder what she was thinking and huh. or... Uh, my sister died and she would never let me help her and she never talked to me about her cancer and then boom, she died and that was it. Or my best friend died and she would never let me in. And so it's kind of opening this curtain behind mm -hmm. a lot of people's stories that they watch this and they're receiving healing just by watching this because of their own experience of kind of being shut out by a loved one. And so our prayer is that it brings healing to people who, who even have lost loved ones who had a bad experience with that and weren't invited to share in suffering. Wow. I, I, you know, I wouldn't even thought of that. And there's just another benefit. Yeah. One of the, one of Kara's friends said, it's a gift to help someone suffer. And you think, well, how can you help someone suffer? But like when you watch this movie, you see Kara's friends did a beautiful job of just being there with her. It wasn't that they said all the right things or they did the right things or brought the right food it was just that they were there and Kara opened her house and her home and her heart for her friends to support her and love her and be there in that way. So mm. it's a powerful learning tool just to show people how to suffer. And, and Kara said it. She said, I want to suffer well and I want to die well. 
And I think wow. she gets A plus in that. And so that's what sh- this film can truly help people see mm-hmm. and do. That's fabulous. And if there's, are there any other points that you think would be significant for people to hear before we close up? I want to give you a, you know, anything else that you'd like to say, maybe that I've overlooked or, or passed by. Well, one thing that sort of happened by accident is um, there's a lot of uh, celebrated Christian personalities that ended up being in this film. And, and once again, we didn't sit around in some boardroom and say, let's get Ann Voskamp to be in this movie, or let's get Joanna Gaines to be in the movie, or uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, or Jim Daly, and, and all of those people are in the movie. But the crazy part about it is they all had a relationship with Kara, different relationships. So Ann Voskamp was her writing mentor that we didn't really know that much about that relationship until two years into making this film. And then we contacted her and she was like, I would love to be in this documentary and share my friendship with Kara. So Mm. so Anne's there reading her and Kara's Facebook messages, you know, and that's in the movie. And then Joanna Gaines went and visited Kara and decorated her house for Christmas. Not a part of one of Joanna's shows, um, the Fixer Upper show. It wasn't a Mm -hmm. part of something that Joanna did out of the kindness of her heart because she is a sweet and wonderful person mm-hmm. and she was touched by Kara. So she flew there with her friends and did that. So, you yeah. know, the, the stories are endless. There's obviously Joanna Gaines is a super famous person right now, but there are many people from all over the world that flew to Colorado Springs just like that because wow. they felt the same calling and that obviously God wanted to share her story and use her story to impact people we may never know. While we were there, a woman from England flew there to be with Kara. Wow, that is powerful. It is. She wasn't best friends with this lady. She met her at a camp, and um, you know, the lady contacted Kara and was like, "Can I come?" And she was like, "Sure, come on." And it wasn't that Kara had you know her house full of people constantly at all times to where her family you know wasn't her priority. It was, but that's just the one small example of how welcoming. She was to everyone. She, her, her friend Blythe said it great. Um, she said, whoever was in front of her, she loved. Not that in your life, in my life, like that, you know, our kid's teacher we don't like or the person, you know, that we have to deal with at work that we don't like or somebody's personality that rubs us the wrong way. But whoever was in front of Kara, she loved. It looks like that prayer of having a soft heart was always true. Definitely. Well, is there anything else that uh, people should know about, you know, how they can find out more about the film or or what more they can be doing? One first way is to purchase a DVD on Amazon and please, please, please write a review that helps so many other people find out about our film. Okay. Another thing they can do is host their own uh, movie viewing event, either at their church or in their small group or just in their home. If they're a writer or a blogger, they can you know, share about this story. We would just pray that people can use this as a tool to maybe somebody who is hurting that they don't have the words for, they can purchase a copy of the DVD and just share it. I think it's a great tool to give, um, especially Kara's extremely relatable. So you could give this movie to somebody who doesn't have a faith. Um, They're going to love Kara. Uh, Anyone who watches this is going to just, you just fall in love with her. She's just such a genuine person. So she's extremely watchable. Um, and that's one of the things that drew me to her as a TV producer. I've interviewed 10,000 people, Bruce, mm-hmm. and I'm not agreeing. So much casting and so much work for television networks. And 
when I met Kara, I was, this lady is phenomenal. Like uh, she's just so awesome to watch. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see the whole film and, and can't wait for it to come out here in a couple of weeks on March 22nd. And uh, yeah, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you two coming on and, and talking about Kara and your own lives and, and the different ways that God is working through you and work through her. It's just, it's such a blessing. And it's just, as I said before, it's just so powerful to see how this is all working. And I think it's one of the great things is to hear these things and, and realize the different ways that God is at work and what he's doing. So we can actually, you know, glorify him even more. Thank you so much. We, we appreciate Amen. your time, Bruce, and what you're doing with your podcast. Thank you very much. We'll talk to both of you later. You Sounds take care. Great. Thank you. Thanks for all having right. us.